Right now, it's time for History Matters. Joining us in the studio for the final time in 2023 <laughs> is the one and only Scott Washington, historian extraordinaire, to take a look back at this week in history. Good morning. You know, Aaron, sometimes I, I think we should get rocking chairs in at this moment. Hey, well, I remember the last year we did this. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's wonderful. And, uh, the, of course, this week marks the uh, nice bookmarks between Christmas the 25th uh, to the 31st, New Year's Eve. And Christmas uh, has some interesting, the 25th has some interesting uh, noteworthy things. One, of course, is that we forget that uh, there is a historic thing that occurs in 1776. George Washington crossing the Delaware (laughs) on the 25th surprises uh, the mercenary troops, the Hessians, and uh, captures about a thousand of them. It's a really – because I always thought nobody will attack on a holiday, and so that's a big deal. But the other thing is – Just bringing presents, but the Hessians reacted badly, and then one thing led to another, and they took Jersey. It's great. Well, that's right. Well, (laughs) I'm not sure he thought of it that way, but I think it's it's, it's good. Uh, This is also the week – uh, when we have uh, the 12 days of Christmas. Now, we've all heard that song, which is the most wonderful satire that was imagined. And the, the first printed version is around 1780. Uh, you know, the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree, and then it's two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree, and it keeps repeating. You'll perhaps wonder how many total gifts were given in those 12 days. 364. Someone counted them. Uh, just one more and you could have <laughs> one for every day. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's, it's, And the thing is, this idea of the 12 days of Christmas goes back to, believe it or not, 567. Not 1567. No, 567, the 6th century, uh, when a council on Trent declared the 12 days of Christmas. And it was done ever since. And, of course, it fell around the same time as the winter solstice. And, of course, there's not a lot to do except, well, let's start partying. Well, it just got to excess. And that's why I think the 12 days of Christmas, the song, is a great satire on how excessive it got. It like, oh, my God, we're having another day of partying? (laughs) Now, in modern times... One that's not exactly like this uh, was established uh, in 1966, and it's Kwanzaa. And it goes from December 26th to January 1st. Um, and that's uh, an interesting African-American celebration that the person who developed it uh, thought, especially in the mid-60s when there was still uh, such uh, terrible acts of segregation going on, he said, we need to have something that celebrates who we are. And, of course, uh, ever since then, not only is it African-American, but anybody can buy into the wonderful uh, principles um, and celebrate them. I think they're great. So great, good time to celebrate. And the idea of uh, getting back to the partridge in the pear tree really quick, like the fact that yes. that song has existed since the 1780s suggests how old the gift-giving tradition is. Like we think yes. about Christmas as being like, oh, in the last like few decades, it's gotten super commercial. It was super commercial back in the 1700s, yes. the 1600s, uh, the Pilgrims banned Christmas in the 1600s <laughs> in Massachusetts because it had gotten too commercial and it was taking away from the reason for the season. So uh, there is, that whole debate's been yes. going on for 400 in years. In Plymouth, they start building on Christmas Day because they just did not recognize this as, as a holiday. Right. It's like we, we, we're going to land here and we'll declare this place Plymouth and let's get to work. 
Holidays are for Catholics. We don't call it the Protestant work <laughs> ethic for nothing. We're working today. We're working tomorrow. We're working every day. <laughs> well, hopefully we can find time to celebrate, uh, and including New Year's Eve, uh, which is the, the bookend of this, uh, which, of course, has some uh, also an important thing that occurs. You know, we think of New Year's Eve and lights and so on. Well, actually, on December 31st, um, in 1879 is when uh, Thomas Edison uh, first demonstrated uh, his uh, electric lights in uh, Menlo Park in uh, New Jersey. Again, New Jersey comes up this week. Right. <laughs> and uh, um, so that was a big deal. Everything happens in New Jersey. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we start Crossroad with Crossroad to the world. I, I hadn't is. recognized that. Oh, well, look at this. This is an interesting kind of uh, things that happen between Washington and Edison. Um and also <laughs> so uh, the two cities on either side of New Jersey as well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and yet the show I went to takes school right by Chapel. Edison, Did New you? Jersey. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. Well see there. There finally we get the the the, the trifecta of <laughs> New Jersey references here. Um, there's another thing uh, that's a birthday. Uh, a, a woman named Selma Burke, uh, mm-hmm. who's born on December thirty first in nineteen hundred, uh, actually here in North Carolina. Grows up in Mooresville, and when she's like seven or so, uh, the clay and North Carolina has great clay. She she just she looked back and said, "This is the time when I felt like I was developing who I was." Well, she has great artistic talent, but her family is like, oh, "Let's go for something more practical." She goes to nursing school, then she moves to New York City to uh, continue to uh, her nursing. But it turns out that this is a great a cultural a revival, Harlem Renaissance, and she comes into contact with all kinds of creative people who encourage and recognize her worth, and she becomes this incredible sculptor, even Matisse, uh, and she's influenced by him. And uh, then there's a, a contest held, fast forward now, around uh, 1945 to sculpt um, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And she wins the contest. So Hmm. she doesn't want to do it by photograph. She wants to arrange sittings with the president. Unfortunately, he dies in office. But she uh, continues this, and it goes to a a building, a recorder in deeds building that she's making a plaque for, for the four freedoms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Freedom uh, from want, freedom from fear, freedom of worship, freedom of speech. This is the four freedoms that Franklin Roosevelt had championed. And so her profile of him... Uh, which was slightly to the side, uh, but he looked a little younger, and there was some concern about, well, are you making him look younger? She said, I'm doing this for the ages. Well, meanwhile, the uh, there was a clamor to do something else, and so uh, the uh, there was a decision made um, to do something new for the dime and to put some kind of likeness of Roosevelt. So the chief engraver because of the march of dimes specifically that's right march right? of dimes yeah. which had raised so much because of to fight Franklin polio Ro- that's right because of yep. fight polio because of him well they the, the, the chief so engraver this is like a fun story that there's like a specific is. reason why there we're putting is. FDR on the dime that's like, right it's a connection really important yeah, because these dimes that. were sent in yep. and raised tremendous amounts of money uh, for polio and of course that's what Franklin Roosevelt had suffered from yep. so um, uh, the chief engraver submits one design it's rejected he submits another one it's accepted. But immediately there's outcry because it looks like it's a copy of the same one that Selma Burke. And if you look at them, uh, the Selma Burke's forehead is slightly longer uh, than the dime, 
but there are a lot of similarities. And she always maintained that uh, that she was the in influence and could well have been. Right. Uh, but any given day when you carry a dime, you can look at it and go, oh, there's a North Carolina connection, Selma Burke. I like it. Which is a great African-American sculptor. Speaking with Scott Washington, History Matters. Uh, one more. What are we okay. going to be wrapping up with? Uh, well, here is one, um, and it's in 1920, December 28th. And uh, a young woman uh, takes a flight. Uh, you know, this is one of the first flights. That, remember the Wright brothers, 1903, here's 17 years later. And her father says, well, let's go up. And she loves it. Hmm. And within, she just is hooked. And within five days, uh, she wants to take lessons. And that propels her into a whole new vocation. The, the woman who is almost is like one of those trivia questions that you have for the history uh, is Amelia Earhart. And it's uh, a good time of the year when we think of gift giving, but also the dreams that propel us into the new year, the take flight, and what's the dream in your soul that is the one that will take flight in you and lift you to new heights, because that's why history matters. Thank you. Scott Washington, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron.